Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hung. The world of technology and healthcare ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news, meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. And on today's episode, we'll be previewing Hymns 22. Yes, the fun is back. And today's episode is brought to you by Hitmic. That's our healthcare and IT marketing community. And we just announced the return of our in-person event happening May 9th to 11th in Foxborough, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. You can learn more at healthitmarketingconference.com. And be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore hung. Plus check out our 16 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. So you ready to go back to HIMS uh, six months later? I know it just feels like yesterday we were all together at, at HIMS 21 and, and literally, literally it was. And now we're heading well, it was back six again. months later, but in COVID years, that's three years, right? Is that- <laughs> it's either three years or six days, depending on which, uh, which, which route you take. But yeah, it does seem like we were just together, but um, now we're back to normal, I guess you can say, you know, it's back in the springtime as opposed to the summer. So, uh, but it does feel a little close. <laughs> it does. I mean, I think it will be interesting to see how vendors approach it, right? Because uh, did they just make announcements? Were they saving announcements? Did they not do the announcements in August because it was so early and weren't sure how it was going to go down? Whereas now heading into 2022, we know that HIMS held the conference while Delta was spiking. So, I mean, I don't want to predict COVID, but it's looking very likely that we should have the event and it will be a good event. Yeah, definitely. I'm encouraged that we're going to be in person. I think, you know, the one thing overwhelmingly at Hamas 21 was that how grateful people were to be able to see each other again and, and you know, fist bump and at least wave <laughs> to each other, right? And be in the same room to have a conversation. So I think that will carry over definitely into HIMSS 22, where we're just going to see a little bit more of that, right? More people who maybe haven't seen each other for a long time and and reconnecting with colleagues and, and so forth. That was another thing too, right? A lot of people who work together had never seen each other, hadn't seen each other for years. So I'm, I'm expecting more of that at HIMSS 22. Yeah, there were even some hugs, you know, uh, that was nice. Uh, you know, I, I actually was at the CES conference and I saw someone, I said, um, do you want a hug? And she's like, for you, yes. <laughs> but I think for the rest of the conference, she's like, I don't really know these people. <laughs> you know, so it's fun. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I think one thing for me is, you know, we're still in the middle of the pandemic, right? And we still have the, a lot of the issues that providers are facing around you know, a canceling or delays of, of surgeries and some other procedures. So they're still working through the effects of COVID. I don't mean like the, the actual disease, but I meant the, the, the impact it's been having on, on the provider organization. So I think it will definitely be a challenge for a lot of the providers to get away, either because A, they're busy or B, the optics of going to a conference and the, still while everyone else is struggling, I just think it'll be tough. Yeah. I think the optics will be a challenge for some, uh, you know, I think it will be better this year, especially as we start to see, you know, obviously we record this early, but mask mandates are starting to be removed and things like that. So I think that's going to open up the door for some of them. And let's be honest though, like it's, I understand why the optics kind of look bad and it's probably good that it's not in Vegas this year because that optics is even worse because, Oh, you're going to Vegas to work. And anyone that's been to hymns knows that there's a lot more that goes on in hymns than even when it's in Vegas. But anyway, uh, you know, the optics are bad, but to be honest on the other side is, 
in many cases, now is a great time to come together. You've been through COVID, you've been through surges. Now let's share. What have you learned? What was a lifesaver for you? What technology helped you? You know, how are you implementing technology now to deal with the great resignation challenges? So, you know, in some ways, I understand the optics and even budgets, right? There's some budget questions for provider organizations. But on the other hand, now is a great time to kind of coalesce and share what's been learned over these past couple of years around COVID and share that amongst the industry. So because I'm sure as many of these health systems are taking for granted now systems that they implemented to deal with COVID that could be shared with others. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, you know, I think also there's a degree of a little bit of fatigue talking about COVID, right? We, we spent the last two years talking about it. You know, I do think that the providers that do come to HIMSS 22 will, will definitely be talking about cybersecurity, right? That's a big issue. We'll be talking about info blocking and some of those things. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I think there'll be definitely uh, some providers there for sure who can make it and who, who see the value and, and hopefully a lot more will be there. But I do also think it's just going to be a challenge given the budgets, but um, we'll see. I mean, that's the, that's the fun. That's going to be the fun part of, of HIMSS 22. Well, and I look at it, you know, when I see what happened to HIMSS 21, there was a lot of value gotten by the people that attended, you know, even the provider ones that were there, like actually they enjoyed it more because they could be more casual, you know, <laughs> and they, they had, they had more time to be able to talk to people. It wasn't quite as crazy. You know, you could get a seat, you know, like all, all of those things. So, you know, I think we'll have much of the same in Hymns 22. I think so. I think so. So let me ask you, John, like, is there anything that you hope, and when I'm talking blue sky here, is there any type of announcement or anything like that that you would love to hear at Hymns 22? Yeah, I got two. So I'll throw one, then you could maybe you know tell me what announcement you'd love. Here's the announcement I would love to hear. Interop with the EHR is free. Like imagine, <laughs> imagine if you know Epic, Cerner, Meditech, you know all scripts, Athena. You know, anyway, I'll, I'll name drop all the top EHR <laughs> vendors. Throw in some of the ambulatory ones, Advanced MD, Cario, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Like, how cool would it be if they came out and said, "Access to your data is free." I'm not going to monetize you know, accessing the data, it should be available and free. And, you know, not just what was required by information blocking, but hey, our vision is we don't want to make money off of sharing data. We want to make money off of the services we provide, et cetera, et cetera. How cool would that be? And it would set quite a precedent if the right vendor did it. (laughs) That would be an amazing announcement if if, they, if that came to pass, I mean, you know, one can wish, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, because I, you know, obviously, obviously the business case is against that, <laughs> but, but you're right. I mean, that would, it, it would take a move like that in order to really propel, you know, access to data, forgetting about interoperability, just accessing the data, um, just doing that would be, would be, uh, would be a, a game changer for sure. Yep. I think for me, uh, an announcement that I would love to to hear would be actually one around interoperability. <laughs> Funny enough, oh, I would interesting. I would love, and this is really pie in the sky to go. Hey, you know what? Let's we're all going to standardize on this. <laughs> We've all agreed we're going to adopt this. I know that will never happen. We've tried that with Fire. We've tried that with a whole bunch of other standards, but there's just way too many standards in healthcare. I just wish, uh, you know, this year we're going to go, you know what, we've, we've woken up. We're going to all kind of agree to this method and we're going for it. And we're, we've actually made some meaningful progress here. Now, 
hey, we're getting better. But to me, that would be amazing <laughs> at, 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 at uh, him 22. Yeah, I saw an interesting uh, comment from people that says it takes about a decade for a standard to become mature. And, the, you know, they went back to the HL7V1, HL7V2. I, I think they included CDA and, uh, you know, and then they looked at fire, right? And they looked at it and said, it takes about a decade for it becomes standard enough and adopted enough to be useful. And we're kind of at that decade for fire, right? Like right. where, you know, it's almost been a decade of working on fire that now it's like, okay, now is this opportunity to do it. And in many ways, uh, many companies have said we are doing all fire. Uh, but unfortunately some of the legacy systems just don't support it. The data is not made available, whatever. So right. I think that is the challenge and it would, could they step up and do that? I, yeah. I mean, I, I think so, but, it, but you know, there's so many moving parts. Well, yeah. And, and for me, what, where I was going with that was also other parts of the ecosystem, right? Cause when we talk about interop, we, we a lot of times talk about people who are making apps and, and EHRs mm -hmm. and so forth, but there's also a, a very different standard for devices, right? Like the mm -hmm. way those communicate is non, you know, HL seven today, right. It's, it's in another standard. And so we, I look at that and kind of go, I wish everybody could talk the same because then it would be so much better for the devices, for the people working with the EHR, for patients and so forth. It'd be amazing. Shouldn't AI just solve this, right? I mean, <laughs> it, should. it should. In fact, John, that was my second announcement that I hope. Okay, I'm let's hear. It's AI related. I hope or wish <laughs> that an announcement that would come out at HIMSS 22 would be, hey, we've created a, an amazing data set that is uh, all encompassing in terms of uh, ethnic diversity, uh, oh. gender diversity, all of that, that everybody can now use to help train their, your AI as a basis point. Because we know there's a lot of biased data sets out there and there are a lot of AIs based on these biased data sets. So who knows who's using what? So coming out with a universally available, kind of like your idea of just no charge to access it kind of data set for AI training would be awesome. Yeah, I think uh, NVIDIA has something kind of similar to that, uh, where they've done some work in that area. So, that, you know, they've made some progress there. I, I don't, you know, it's an interesting question of bias, right? I'm trying to remember if I heard that, but they've definitely have a, a data set that can, you know, accelerate your, your training of your AI bot. So that's interesting. Here's the one that I would love. Uh, you know, secure text, communication, all of those things have become so important and embraced in this kind of virtual world where I don't want to be near you because of COVID, et cetera. And so I would love to see an announcement where all the big secure text players, right? We're talking about Simpler. We're talking about Tiger Connect. We're talking about, you know, uh, Perfect Serve. Uh, Vocera should be in there. Um, Lumion, yeah. Like yeah, Spoke, right? I mean, all, all of these companies that have a secure messaging product, if they created a coalition and said, we're going to create a standard to be able to, and maybe it's a fire standard or something else, right? It says we can secure text across all of these major players. Like how cool would that be that now I can't just, you know, secure text between, uh, you know, a, a Tiger Connect community of people or a Halo Health community of people, but instead I could text to anyone who has any of these major uh, right. secure text solutions. And that would be cool. I'm sure, you know, you'd lose out on some functionality that 
are very specific as far as, oh, was it red? And some of the smart routing that a lot of these secure text companies are doing even around schedules or things like that. But like if there was a standard that would allow you to text and send messages like that across organizations, I think that would be so powerful. And in some ways would create kind of like we have with e-prescription, of course, SureScripts just did it all on their own. But if, you know, if we had that across all of them, that would be really interesting. And a coalition like that would be really exciting. Uh, I, I totally agree with you. That's a world I came from, John, and I'm totally with you on that. <laughs> I, I would say an extension of that also would be if you can come up with a standardized message format for the structure of their message so that you could tell if you're, because like, we know there are hospitals using multiples of these systems, right? I may have Spoke, yes. I may have Tiger Connect in two different areas. It'd be great if they would send their messages in the same format to a controller. So they go, oh, actually, these two messages are going to the same patient. I won't send it twice. I'll send it together. I'll mm. send it in one. So being able to have messages in standard format, you'd be able to do this a lot easier, which is a huge problem from the patient experience standpoint in terms of like, you don't want to get like 15 different messages from your provider from 15 different systems, right? So and what's kind of cool when you think about that, though, right, is if, if we created the standard, then all sorts of other companies could start sending messages to any of these companies as well. Right. And, and so it's almost like creating an API to access any of these companies, but to do it at scale so that anyone that wanted to send you alerts and notifications, reminders, whatever messages to that, you know, obviously this could get overwhelming. So I think that's some people's fear, but it would open up all sorts of innovation on the communication side of things. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lin and Colin Hung. We're previewing the HIMSS 22 conference coming up in Orlando. And as you heard John mention at the top of the show, we're excited to get together in person with the healthcare and IT marketing community, HITMIC, and that's happening May 9th to 11th in Foxborough at the Meditech Corporate Center. Head on over to healthcareitmarketingconference.com for details. We also announced the opening of the 2022 Medigy HITMIC Awards. There are 50 awards available across 20 categories, and there are awards for provider organizations, health IT companies, associations, nonprofit organizations, and of course, marketing agencies. Go to hitmic.com and click on awards in the menu for details. John, is there anything specifically that you're going to be looking for from a health IT perspective at HIMSS? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two big topics for me that, uh, you know, we've talked about a fair bit on this uh, on this show, but uh, I just want to see, for example, the progression of voice and AI, right? So those two things and, and watching those two and their progression, right? So, I mean, we certainly know ambient clinical voice is becoming more popular. There's a bit of a battle between the nuances of the world who are trying to you know, automate, you know, the documentation process, but they're also still using scribes on the back end. You have the Sukis of the world that are saying, Hey, you just can't do that. That's not possible. You know, or at least, you know, it's, it's a virtual scribe and that's fine. Right. But how much of it can you automate versus do you need the human to actually create the product that they need? You know, Suki argues that you can't. And so they're taking more of a templated based approach, but with voice, which is a, a fascinating way to do it. And, and so I think though that battle, if you will, and kind of who's adopting what and what have been their results and how has that progressed? Because now we have organizations that have used this product. And so, you know, at HIMSS 22, I want to hear how is it being used? How successful is it? And and then 
how successful are we at automating this or do we need the scribes, right? So that, you know, that, and then AI across everything, like how is it maturing and where are we seeing it being applied? You know, it, you know that will be a fun thing to watch. Uh, and then the other one that I would throw out there is how are health systems approaching RPM and telehealth, right? So remote patient monitoring telehealth, uh, obviously they all threw it up and, you know, did telehealth in the moment. But now I think, you know, two years later, we're going to have a much different picture. And I think many of the CIOs we meet with and whatnot are going to know, okay, this is our plan or here's our strategy for how to approach it. Or, hey, we haven't figured out our strategy because there's not a solution or it'll be interesting to hear those types of things. I love it. I love I love both of those. And I'm anxious to read your stories after him around those two particular topics, especially voice. I agree with you that it's exciting, right, to finally starting to see that becoming a reality that something that you talked about for years, right? And it's finally becoming real. Well, and also voice for accessing the data. I mean, how cool is it? And we've started to see this, right? Uh, Nuance has been doing this. I know I, I was at the Meditech uh, event where they announced the partnership with it and demoed some of this stuff. And, and I know they're working with other EHR vendors as well, where you could just say, show me the last three lab results for Colin and graph them on a chart, right? Like that would change how you access the data. And we know that access to the data is part of that thing that doctors complain about. Oh, there's 6 zillion clicks, right? Because you got a 6 zillion clicks to be able to get to the data. Then you got to graph it and you got to choose which data and all, you know, it's like such a mess. Whereas if you could just say, Hey, graph the last LDL results for patient X for the last six months or whatever. So that was that access to data is also another cool piece of that voice that not many people are talking about. For me, you know, my perennially favorite topic is one that I'm going to keep my eyes open for at HIMSS 22, and that's, of course, patient experience, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to me, there was definitely momentum before COVID hit towards making a real difference in this area. COVID hit, it's obviously on the back burner a little bit, but I'm anxious to see what new technologies, uh, what new ways to engage patients now that we've had to be in a world of RPM and telehealth, what new things are happening in that space. So I'm looking forward to seeing what companies like, you know, Freesia and Actium, mm -hmm. which was formerly Symphony RM, Lumion, uh, you know, Tiger Connect, all these kinds of companies that are in that space to see what they're doing differently, what they're doing new. Um, I think it'll be fun because I'm, I'm hoping that that momentum will continue, even though we've had sort of a COVID interruption for two years, that we'll see a return to, hey, let's focus on improving this patient experience. I'm also ex uh, interested to see how that's now going to be incorporated a lot more into the uh, revenue cycle process, right? So mm. revenue cycle experience is a new term that's being bantered around. I'm interested to see what companies are going to be talking about at HIMS around that, you know? So companies like Coral Health and others, like what are they going to be doing in this world around uh, revenue cycle experience? Yeah, does the CIO finally care about revenue rather than just kind of leaving it to, <laughs> to the HIM staff or whoever it might be, right? Uh, I think it's become a bigger topic for sure. I, I just wonder, are we at that kind of turning point for patient experience where the health system and the CIO starts to care? Like is value-based care becoming mature enough? But, you know, that's the key question for me because if value-based care becomes mature enough, then you start to care about the patient experience in a very different way. Unfortunately, we kind of took patients for granted for a long time 
because we could, right? They didn't have choice. They didn't have whatever else, right? And so, you know, it didn't matter too much. But now that, you know, value-based care is there and you want to have a relationship with the patient, you, you need to motivate them to do certain actions, like that is what's going to drive real change to patient experience. And the question is, are we at that tipping point or, or, or are we still evolving? Yeah, I, I would, I would say, John, we're probably still evolving there, right? Because value-based care, as we know, is not fully established yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I still think the tie between patient experience and value-based care isn't quite top of mind with most people. Mm-hmm. I think I would go much more pragmatic. We have a lot of patients and, uh, you know, I just spoke to, to Michael O'Neill, CEO of GetWell. Um, you know, he basically called them dormant patients. So these are mm. people who maybe have foregone care for good reasons. Maybe they're just like, hey, I'm not that sick. I, I don't want to put an extra burden on the healthcare system. Or maybe they've had their procedures delayed. Or maybe they're just fearful of going into the hospital. But there's this group of patients that are out there that just haven't engaged. So you need patient engagement and patient experience solutions to re-engage them and get them to come back in. So forget about value-based care. Just yeah. thinking from a bottom line perspective and from the health of your community perspective, you got to get these people coming back in. And, you know, that's not advertising, right? Like advertising alone is not going to help these people come in. You're going to have to go back and say, hey, based on your condition, based on what we know about you, you really should come back in for these things. Here's what we're doing to keep you safe. Whatever that kind of messaging and whatever that kind of stuff is, you're going to have to do that in order to continue to drive the revenue that you need to keep yourself going forward. Yeah. And the other thing that's going to drive this is all of this outside competitive pressure from retail care, from the direct-to-consumer telehealth, the concierge medicine, the you know, all of those things and the millions and hundreds of millions of investment that's happening there is kind of forcing the hand of many providers as well that says, okay, well, fine. If you don't provide me this great patient experience, I have other options. And so that's the other one beyond value-based care that we'll probably see play out to some extent at HIMSS as well. Yeah. And that, and I'm also, you know, looking forward to just seeing who the new entrants are and the, yeah. the, the, the technology players, right? Are we going to see, you know, Samsung start to get in in a much bigger way and these kinds of consumer uh, and other organizations that we see in other industries. We've seen that trend over and over the years. Uh, I think again, even in 21, there was presence from these organizations. So I'm interested to see, who else is going to be there from, from that perspective? See, I predict they're going to be a little bit of a dial back this year because of the COVID and these large vendors don't want to go big at conferences yet, unfortunately. So I think we may see some announcements. Like I would be cool to see some announcements because they, you know, if they've been working on it for the past two years and they were like, Oh, we we're going to launch it at 20. And then they're like, wait, no, let's do it at 21. They're like, no, let's wait. So then now <laughs> like at some point they have to say, we got to announce it right. And put it out there. So maybe we'll get some announcements. I'm not sure we'll see them so much presence wise. I mean, certainly in the hallways, I think they're going to attend. They're going to want to be part of it. Um, I thought you were talking about more of the startup companies and, you know, that's, a, you know, always one of the pleasures of, of hymns as you go around the periphery and you find those small booths and you see this really novel solution where you're like, wow, that makes sense. Right. Like right. I love when you meet one and you hear them and you're like, oh Yeah. Like, why haven't we dealt with this before? And you're like, that's a great solution. So those startup ones, I think, are going to be fun to see. Hey, before we end off this uh, episode, John, let me ask you this. Um, If you were a vendor this year, how would you approach HIMSS 22, given what we know and suspect what's going to be at that conference? Yeah. So a couple of thoughts. I mean, I think it's going to be a little different, but I would say 
look at how can you capture the content that you create there, whether it's with a customer, whether it's in a session, whether it's, you know, what you're sharing in your booth, how can you capture that content and make, you know, hymns 22 into this great content event for you? Because then you can use that content to send to your email list, to your customer list that you can share on social media, you can share on publications, et cetera. So I think that's, you know, an extra emphasis on the content that comes out of the event from your, your work at the event and from what you're sharing at the event so that you know other people who maybe just couldn't come for whatever reason maybe they even got covid right you know like we're going to have some of those situations right that just the numbers play out that way you know how do you share with those people that aren't going to be at the event because you know there is a good opportunity there to create the content there's a lot of work that's gone into doing it so i think that's one way one other little thought is um you know, I was talking to a company, R0. They do the uh, sanitization of different rooms and, and things in hospitals and health systems and and they, they, they make it safe, right? And and they've applied their, their technology to be able to do that. And they, you know, like, you know, if you're going to hold a party, why not partner with someone like R0 and have them sanitize your party, right? <laughs> if you will, right? With the, with the lights that help to, you know, make it a safe thing. And they would love that, right? Because it's then a demo of their product, right? I mean, I think there's some interesting partnerships there if you're creative right to be able to create a safer space for those that are attending yeah i totally totally uh, agree with you there you, i think people now have to think about big conferences whether it's hymns or others as no longer a single point in time event you know you've got to think of it as how can i extend the value of my appearance my presence at this conference beyond it and you know that, that some of it is related to what you just said you know creating content turning that into something you can leverage throughout the year. Uh, also in terms of just the relationships you forge, right? Like, mm. uh, you know, a lot more forethought has to go into planning. Who can you meet with? I don't think you can leave it up to chance anymore. Like you're going to bump into somebody at these conferences, right? Especially given yeah. the climate we're in, it has to be much more thought out. Let, let's arrange to have lunch. Let's arrange to have this meeting. And, and that way, you know, hey, when I come down here, I've already got four or five meetings set up. That's going to be valuable, right? Yep. And uh, I know a lot of large companies do that. And I think a lot of smaller ones now have to do that as well. And I, I think it's changing. I think in general, like, you know, with, with the size of hymns, even, you know, be, especially even before COVID, it was way too big for someone just to wander around. I mean, I know you and I do that, but we have a very different reason for doing that. Mm -hmm. But it was, it, you know, not a lot of people wander around the exhibit hall that much anymore. It's much more focused. Like, I got to go see this vendor, this vendor. Here's three I'm evaluating. So I got to go see these three. So I think you have to account for that, yeah. you know? So uh, what I'm anticipating seeing continue evolution for in, um, in 2022 is just less of the, I'll call it the hucksterism, right? Less of the, you know, the come and draw of the, you know, like spin the wheels type stuff. I mean, I'll still be there, but I think it will be less emphasis on that and much more around, let's make sure we have those prearranged meetings. Yeah. I was talking to a CIO yesterday and he said, we're tired of being pitched. <laughs> like, it was interesting to hear him phrase it that way. Like, Oh, I'm just, you know, none of us want to be pitched anymore, you know, but we do want to learn and we do have problems to solve and we do, you know, like, and so, you know, don't pitch us, like build a relationship with us. Uh, you know, I was thinking of LK at Hymns 21. They did this, 
their booth was rocking the whole time, you know, and I, I asked some of their team and I said, how do you, how are you so successful? And, you know, their answer was something to the effect of we were deliberate in our planning, you know, which is to your point that we reached out and, you know, this wasn't a surprise, right? <laughs> it, it took hard work and, and the right outreach to really make it happen. And so, you know, I think it is possible to have, you know, a lot of success and, you know, and build that momentum. And then of course we all know once you've built momentum in a booth, everyone says, Oh, what's happening there. I want to stop by. So, you know, that, that always works at a, a conference as well. We, we want to follow the crowds. Uh, we, you know, I, there's something about that. <laughs> And I do want to throw in one last little plug for a Canadian company. You mentioned it. I just forgot. So there's a company called Clean Slate UV. Uh, they make a UV uh, uh, device that will clean cell phones. And so nice. to your point that you were talking about before, like why not use, have one of those things in your booth, right? And yeah. just have people plunk the cell phone down, close the lid and it disinfects the cell phone. We all have them. And or have you it have at your event to that's talk with them. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Hey, listen, thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. You can find out more details about our show by checking out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice, engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hung with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening and have a great week.